Have you said your prayers? Yes. Though it can't make much difference to the Creator. Do I understand you correctly? Do you believe that your Creator is indifferent to your sins? That in His mercy He sees you slumber? Welcome once again to Iambic Poetry Podcast presents Real Poetry. I am your host, Sharon Smith, with my two popcorn snatchers, Ati Vice and Marvin. Hi, what's up, guys? Howdy. And we are here today to show, to talk about and review the 2016 movie, foreign movie, A Quiet Passion. This movie stars none other than um, Cynthia Nixon, who, if anybody had known, Cynthia Nixon was Miranda in Sex in the City, all the series. So basically, Miranda was the lawyer who basically always had the issue of trying to, she was always the hard-nosed lawyer who could get a man, but always had problems keeping a man. For those of you who don't know, Sharon has watched the entire Sex in the Series series. Even the movies. <laughs> One and two. Wait, I so, agree. no, I heard that she's not going to be in the next coming up movie or something like that. Oh, the next Sex and the City coming up? Right. Yeah, that's what I heard. I don't know much about Sex and the City, but I know a lot about Sex and the City sometimes. Well, I bet you do. But in this movie here, she basically plays none other than Emily Dickinson, the poet, the American poet who. If, very, if people notice, went through the 18th, went through the late 1800s living, and this basically talks about a charter of her or her life as a poet. Emily Dixon um, main, um, maintains a close close ties with her family while she becomes a prolific poet. Now a celebrated poet, much of her work was unpublished for her lifetime and only became recognized after her death in 1886. So, this movie was directed by Terrence Davies. The budget of the movie was 6.9 mil, which we, felt, which we found out was like, what was it, $8 million on um, device? 8 million pounds is what it grossed. Okay, but we found out, no, 8 million pounds, that's what we... Characterizing dollars. Oh, that so yeah, like, nine pounds in euros. Something like yeah, that. Yeah, so like yeah, the pound in euros are yeah. significantly stronger than the American dollar. Right, and basically the box office was four point one million dollars. Now, as Auntie Vice would say, that was a flop. But yeah, financially, yeah, yeah. If you're not making back the money you spent on producing it, it's a consider a flop, which is <coughs> bullshit. It was. Never mind. Keep going, Saran. Oh, oh, it was bullshit. Oh, why was it bullshit? Less time for some commentary. Let's hear from the man himself who just said bullshit. <laughs> I <Wow>. mean, <laughs> it was pretty accurate to Emily Dickinson. And then also, there is nothing more badass than a woman who wants to stand on top of the stairs and make a man look up at her. And when they say, "I can't see you." And she and she continues to be a smart ass about it. Oh, that's a badass. She was a fucking maverick. I dug it. <laughs> Everything. Like, I'm okay. Unlike Bright Star, which just used so much ye olde English and was completely emo in its emotions, this was a breath of fresh air for me. I could get past the lame-ass dialogue, the lame-ass ye olde English, and I really dug it. I I feel like even now, it, it speaks very... It, it's very relatable. There's a lot of what it's saying, a lot of what it's presenting is still relatable even now in 2021, where you have a lot of evangelism in the U.S., People would like to say it's not that bad. No, it's still just that bad. Maybe even worse. I like to argue even worse. Hmm. There's still this concept, this ideal that in order to be complete, not just for a woman, but for a man or any person, 
marriage and children was complete you and to watch someone buck against that norm to continually say if god was real i feel like his omnipresence would not care as that much for little old me was completely fucking badass so yeah so i thought that was great i thought everything about this was a very accurate and honest portrayal of emily dickinson it's all right um (laughs) no i i i i think they did probably a pretty good job i you know she turns into this bitter old bitty at the end i mean part of that is i think she didn't get laid um you know and like bright star i thought she could have died a half an hour earlier and it would have been a tighter film Uh, (laughs) and to which i told she he's like well let's see how long she lived he looks it up i said she lived a half an hour too long that's it (laughs) yeah um you know it's probably pretty it it does capture and i do like her pushback against the evangelical uh you know overbearing side to it i love it um in the beginning when they ask her what she's been suffering from at college when she's at mount holyoke and she says you know a severe case of evangelicalism um i i feel that, that deeply, and they had a great some great barbs in it but she turns into such a nasty person at the end i was just waiting for her to die oh, yeah. um you know wasn't great wasn't awful just didn't did not draw me in nearly as much as I think it could have. Um, you know, there were parts of it that I really enjoyed her relationship with her friends. They had some wonderful aspects of it. Um, you know, they captured some interest. They made her much more interesting than her poetry because I've never been a Dickinson poetry fan. Mm. Um, and so they made her more interesting than her own poetry, which is an interesting route in a biopic. Um, I liked it as a rotten biopic, but yeah, it it was about a half an hour too long, and just kind of drug in parts. Through it was slow. <laughs> I mean, Sharon can tell you, I I removed a, a broken zipper from a seat cushion. I fixed one of the drawers in my room. I did the laundry. Like I did a lot of chores during this movie. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna like I'll I'll be truthful here too. I fell asleep halfway through. <laughs> Then I woke up again and finished it <laughs> Sharon was asleep like four minutes after the film ended, and I just <laughs> let Futurama run when I went out to do my other stuff, because, yeah, he was fighting it at the end. Like, that last half hour, I was getting the... <clears throat> yeah, when they, when they did, like, when they, she started having those seizure moments, that was really long. That was hard to watch. Yeah. I mean, I think they did a good job in representing the seizures and stuff. Yeah. But she's just so nasty and bitter at the end. It's like, you can only take so much of that before you kind of want to hit the fast forward button. Because she's just unpleasant. I don't know. I liked it. I liked it. But that's just me. (laughs) So with the movie itself, it had um, a lot of interesting characters. Um, Beyond just the family members of her, like her father, who... Uh, was played by Keith um, Carradine, Keith Carradine, who is the brother of David Carradine of Kung Fu. He's also been in. He's also been in movies. He's also been in movies and TV shows. TV shows like, um, if you remember that movie, you remember that TV show Seventh Heaven. Yes. Oh God. He was the he was the he was the father. He's also been in CIS and a few other ones, even a Madam Secretary and stuff. But oh oh God, dang. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, the <laughs> what do you know? so out of, out of a lot of the Americans, I think I think him and um, Cynthia were the only two Americans out of the whole cast. A lot of them all were from the UK. Um, Catherine Bailey, who played um, um who played um Vlinson, Vlinson, um Buffin, the the woman who came over, who always had the small umbrella that married at the end. She, um, she's been in a lot of movies, but as you can see, a lot of the, a lot of the stuff, a lot of the talk, and this is something I didn't get, but I saw that Auntie Vice was getting a lot of the talk was very sharp and smug. I didn't catch mm-hmm. a lot of the, the when they basically would do conversation. 
I don't know if it was like going over my head or just that they were saying it so to the point. She would giggle, um, Auntie Vice would giggle and laugh. And I was standing there going, What was that funny from? I don't follow why her intelligence blew my head. I'm sorry. <laughs> and even the fact, or even the talk when they were, when all three of the children and the father were talking to the aunt. And basically, I was being a, I ain't gonna say she was being a complete asshole, but. I loved that. Like, she was being so cunty. With, she with, was. She's just so cunty about, like, it's like, I don't believe you should experience any sort of happiness until you see God. Blah, blah, blah. And it's just like, they were just being such smart asses about it. I fucking <laughs> love it. And I, I love it because I continually feel like I want to do this at work, but then I know better not to do it at work. <laughs> um, there was a point, yeah, there's truth that um, Emily, there was, Emily Dickinson did ask her father to basically do um, poetry at night. She would, start, she would start doing her poetry around 3 a.m. to 5 p.m. 3 to 5 a.m. So she'd do it for about three, you know, two, three hours. Um, there, um, she did not marry, so the thing was actually true. She did not. She did not marry the whole time when she was living. Through. Telling you that's why she became bitter at the end. You got to knock the dust off that thing <laughs> once in a while. <laughs> she didn't have you know many relationships, and it seemed like suitors that did want to come around, she thought was more interested in her poetry. She was a dick. She was a dick to her suitors. <laughs> Dude, it was hilarious. I fucking loved it. But then she wanted... But okay, she had to choose the church boy. The church boy. And then his lame ass, boring ass, I will never do this until I meet my maker ass bullshit of a wife. You can't have any joy. Well, I was telling Sherrod, like, that's what drove and still drives me crazy about evangelicalism. Right? They had the, the pastor and his wife who were... Was abstained oh, yeah. not only from caffeine and coffee and tea, but from even pleasures like lemonade. Mm-hmm. And they asked for water to drink. You know, I'll, oh. I'll take. Uh, oh my god! Okay, if I ever met water. someone like that, I just swear I don't know how I would act. I just I don't well, know whether I would laugh or just forcibly like let them watch like an R-rated movie. Well, and that is an extended part of my family, mm-hmm. and. You know, the idea that you don't experience joy until you get to heaven. I'm like, wait a minute. The wedding at Cana, Jesus turns water to wine. And the reason they're so amazed is it's good wine. Because it used to be tradition. You put out the good wine at the beginning. And after people got drunk and couldn't tell the difference, you shared the shitty wine. And he served good wine after it. Like, he went full. He didn't even make shitty wine. He made good ass wine. Uh, You know, even for these drunk folk. Like, people indulged in that. There was, there's. Very little in the Bible about abstaining from, you know, alcohol. The whole when you when you do the sacrament, they use blood as the representation of the or wine as the representation of the blood right. of Christ, yeah. and right? Body. We and then, we like, are not a totally well. yeah. paper. Yeah. Um. So. Yeah, it's just you know, I understand you being afflicted by evangelicalism because it really takes the Bible and figures out how to use it for political purposes and has mm. nothing to do with actually what's in there and why that's so annoying. Like, and I get taunting those people cause you know, that's why I block most of my family on Facebook is because they can't take me taunting them about these things. I think her friend in the movie had like the best line about heaven and hell. She said she would never want to go to heaven because it was like the most boring thing in the world. (laughs) But then when they were like, what if you go to hell? I was like, I don't think it would be that great either because then it would just be as boring. (laughs) That was such a great line for me. That was just, I I liked her friend. She had a very sharp wit and was very independent. Her friend was the best thing. ever, And she didn't get bitter. Like Dickinson got bitter, but her friend did. Well, not get I think the thing is, especially because, like, I think they had a very interesting conversation about mm-hmm. how they viewed life. Because her friend said, "Yes, be rebellious, but be rebellious in the confines of their world. Mm-hmm. Docility will be comfortable once you allow it to happen, and you can be rebellious within the confines of that." Which I. I get what she's going with, but I think for someone like Dickens, who was so already used to having that already, being the way she was, and then for her friend to be that, and who continually admits to it, it was like, it's just like watching her die, essentially. 
Mm-hmm. My God. But that that's also her friends coming from the point of knowing that she's a lesbian in a time where it's absolutely mm-hmm. unacceptable. So to rebel is much more dangerous when you're also queer. Um mm-hmm. because she could have been imprisoned, she could have been killed for that. And so not being openly rebellious was more of a safety thing for her than it was for Dickinson. Look at that divine creature. What a noble head he has. Like a Roman emperor. Nero. Let's hope he's just as wicked. Okay, play that part of me. I must have been asleep or something. I didn't know. I didn't know Captain Bailey was um, Valine. You didn't pick that up? I oh, she's talking about being abhor, just abhorrently repulsed by having to sleep with a man and, you know, marital duties. And she yeah. they have extended conversations about, you know, how she just, you know, she wants the friendship of women. And so, yeah, she's totally yeah, I picked up. I picked up on that. But then I'm going to, again, willingly admit that while I like the movie, it didn't stop me from, like, zoning off and falling asleep. <laughs> <laughs> I'll make a lot. Yeah, like, it, it it had dull moments. So I'm again, like I said, I'm willing to admit that. So I'm <laughs> part of that might have slipped my me. So I had an inkling feeling mm-hmm. that that was the case, but I didn't want to say it immediately. But thank you for confirming. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, her friend was a lesbian. So the the need for docility and not to be seen as openly rebellious was much more of a safety issue for her than it would have been for Dickinson, who was just rebelling out of of you know more philosophical and personal reasons mm-hmm. um than also being being queer on top of it um and you see her get more you see dickinson get more clamped down as she gets older because like you know she flips out when she finds her brother making out with a married woman yeah like, like yeah she just goes way overboard on that so you see you know this rebellious stuff ends at a certain point. Like she still has a need for decorum, um, mm-hmm. at least for her brother. When it comes to her brother getting a little extra hoochie coochie <laughs> on the couch, but I think she's more mad at her brother because she, her brother is messing with a married woman. Yeah, and he's married, mm-hmm. and he's married, and he yeah. and she liked, and, and, he, and they liked their, his wife. Yeah, they very obviously liked the uh, <laughs> sister-in-law. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's just it's just funny how, and even and even her. She actually, she actually kind of somewhat enjoys the um the suitor, the mm-hmm. married woman's man, and just find out what she said it was venereal. Yeah, he had so, an STD, so they mm-hmm. couldn't fuck around. Oh. Probably syphilis, because they didn't have a cure at that point. Yeah, and it, syphilis is a horrible way to die. Wow! I, wow! So I, yes, if he had that before marriage, they probably didn't sleep together to protect her. I'm I'm I must have zoned a lot of things because I was like he said scenario I was like <laughs> no I was up I'm just I just I think some of the stuff was just being told was just like huh I mean just like her father because I could see her father her father's attitude was put into her I could see she she basically mm-hmm. took over whatever he whatever he left over because mm-hmm. I saw how he was with the preacher mm-hmm. the father was real, was real like how dare you. And was very stern, like, yeah. I'll be what I want to be. I and don't come before him humbly. I come before him as a lawyer. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, I got Which my is spot. very lawyer today, you know? Yeah. I have my beamer and my suit and my $400 haircut, so you will, I don't have to be humble. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, even the, fact of, even the fact of how he pointed out to his son that you're going to be here. I'll get somebody else to go for your place. Mm-hmm. He's like, what? Father, my honor, my love, just keep you behind here. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay, I have nothing I can stand on that. Okay, cool. Um, $500 for your honor. We now know what it goes for. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> gosh, man, that's like you ain't going nowhere. You're my son, sure. I don't care. Them one, they're damn poor boys out there. Like, mm-hmm. that's messed up. That Must is- be nice to have that kind of pool of Oh. Oh, well, you could do nice. that for through up till World War One, when there were wars, you could pay a bond mm-hmm. and not get out of going during a draft. Must be nice. Must be nice. 
I mean, I, I was kind of concerned we didn't get to see the child anymore. I, I found out later that the, the child they had died. Mm. Died from a typhoid fever. Ooh. So, yeah. So, Emily, yeah, Emily's um, little nephew died from that. Mm-hmm. She was holding her hand. He actually died. He actually died. So, yeah, it was fun. It was interesting seeing some of the. Um, the person that really didn't that they should have got more into, but really seemed like she was kind of distant was the mom. The mom kind of because it seemed like the mom had a lot to say, but had very. I mean, the whole story about the nineteen-year-old um, boy, she choir uh, boy she met in um, church, who sang the song, said she had, he had a pretty voice, but he died at nineteen, and then she just started bellowing and, and then the like crying. I was kind of confused going. Was that like her first love she liked? Yep. Or, and then well, it sounds like it was the first love. Yeah. But it's yeah, I agree with that because it does sound like the mom did play a very significant role with at least the movie Emily Dickinson's mm-hmm. life. Mm-hmm. With the mother was very obviously evangelical as well. But at the same time, a very free thinking woman, if there she was able to allow her three children to be that smart mouth mm-hmm. with the aunt. Well, and I mean, they they were smart mouth with mom too. They referred to, oh, she's come down from Mount Olympus. The oh, yeah. Yes, you know? yeah, that's very true. <laughs> Throwing some shade at mom there. <laughs> she did well for that. Um, but even the fact of pointing out the mom's death. I mean, the father, he just you just saw him in the grave, whereas the mom, you actually saw her go through the whole stroke. They, and then, yeah, and they very, were very much more affectionate with how they sent her off because like the one thing that stuck to me was like the son austin immediately goes we've come to say goodbye good night for the last time mother yeah yes with his wife yes yes he did Mm -hmm. and and just with the father he was already uh he was already on the truck i mean he was on he was on the beggy and sent him on his way it's like yeah i and it's i think it's interesting how how much she became known as the the the, the woman in white. That was so badass. That was so badass. Why was it so badass? Explain. She divided conventions. Yeah. The 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 conventions at the time is you would wear black for a set period of time, usually around mm-hmm. three months, um, to show that you were in mourning. And she's like, screw that, I don't look good in black. I'm wearing white. I want to wear my white, mm-hmm. you know? Don't have to keep mourning this. Let's move on. But I don't know if it was. I don't know if I'm. I'm sure it wasn't. They weren't back to back to back. The deaths of like her her father, her mother, and then like timeline gets fuzzy as it yeah. moves yeah. on. It's it's unclear how much time passes in between each. Yeah, they definitely rushed the last part of the film. Right. I do like how they earlier. did the passage of time though, because like I remember when they were doing. The self portraits and yes. they show the aging. I, like, I thought that was a very nice little touch. And they like how they do certain moments of aging where they right. just do those still frames of just music and they just show everything around the setting. I thought that was a little nice touches. Oh, no, I thought that the father, the photographer said, So you can smile. I said, How are you smiling? Oh, the moment he said that, I just looked, it's like, Dad? <laughs> That is my dad to the fullest. Like, to the fullest. It's like... like it's just... Like, the moaning was like, Dad? <laughs> just maybe just like, like, kind of like cringe. I'm like, oh, man. <laughs> oh, man. Just feel the love of that one. <laughs> <laughs> but I think out of all the people who got the brunt or was more of her... her or um, what they call or or calm down or basically her companion a lot more was her sister mm-hmm. Vinny. Mm-hmm. Vinny was almost like was there when everything that went on with her. Vinny was always there to console, constrict, or try to just figure out what's going on in Emily's head. Even if Emily didn't really give a care about her, in some points she's like, okay, this is. What I mean, I'm- they were essentially the same person. Like, you, like I'm surprised to find out later too. Like in the actual their actual history, like. Vinny also died unmarried yeah. and childless too. They yeah. were some, yeah, they were essentially the same person. They lived the same life. I mean the only the only one in that family who carried on any quote unquote legacy or carried on the name, quote unquote, <laughs> was Austin. And even then, mm-hmm. it's just like who gives a fuck? 
Yeah, but it, it, you're right. It, it's it was interesting knowing that both of them, both sisters, both the daughters did not marry. Yeah, and, he, and and even that little that even that little short stint moment where um, where Emily had that little weird that that ten minute long fever dream of mm-hmm. a suitor coming to see coming to be with her, and that thing lasted for. I was like. Who the heck's the dude? <laughs> He's just a dark <laughs> and there's a silhouette thing coming up. She opens the door, just like, come on. And then the suitor comes up and she's just standing there, just in a freaking fever dream, like, here he comes. Here he comes. I'm like, oh God. Oh God, let him come. Okay. <laughs> That's his poem. So I get great. So speaking of poems, what do you think about the poetry and stuff of um, Emily Dickinson? I gotta agree with Fonty Vice here. Emily Dickinson was not my thing growing up. Okay. I can respect the fact that they did a lot of her works. They all actually were hers, I think. But however, I just feel like they were just kind of like this added spice that didn't need to be added into the film. Really? This was a very bi I mean, for me, this was very much a biographical film. And then the fact that then like on these scenes where they just kind of do these wide panning shots or where they kind of try to do a scenic shot or just whatever that just doesn't have anything to be related to the story immediately. They do the poems. And while, yes, they do match the scenes, I don't feel like they propel the story any. Mm, Okay. I think they they did a good job of showing where a lot of her works originated from, what would be the inspiration mm-hmm. behind oh, okay. them. And, you know, that was those extended, you know, montage scenes. And you're like, oh, okay, I can see why she's writing about this topic now or this topic now. And you you understand where her inspiration comes from, which which works. But yeah, I've never been a huge Dickinson fan. It's I don't know. They they don't they've never grabbed they've never been real inspiring or anything to me. I'm like, yeah, it's poetry. I mean, it's, it's well done. It fits a good form. Like, it fits the rules of poetry and stuff. Um, and, you know, she was one of the few women poets being published in that era. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it just... I've, I've never been grabbed by Dickinson's poetry. And it just... I'm not sure what it is, but it's like... Okay, was it, cool. Was it more because of the fact that it... That she lived in Massachusetts, and it was during the eighteen hundreds. That kind of no, there's other there's others that I absolutely love mm-hmm. um, from various historical periods that that really grabbed me, and I you know I can feel at different periods. Um, you know the Cavalier poets who were who came before Dickinson, I absolutely adore. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of Chaucer stuff I like, um, but Dickinson is just kind of one of these things. that's like writing about observations and kind of feelings and it's like eh, yeah but it's just it's not a world that i relate to because mm-hmm. uh, the reason why i asked that because a lot of the i started noticing a lot of the puritan idealism mm-hmm. and stuff and even the stuff that you know i was pointed out and just also the event that uh, we talked about the event evangelicals evangelicals a lot of the ideas of the in the, the massachusetts time or mm-hmm. in that in that moment they were just, you know, it was very stupid with what was used as, you know, you better do this or you're going to be punished from God. And right. She was like, I don't, you know, I don't think God really cares <laughs> if right. I'm somebody. But a lot of that doesn't come through in her work, I think. Mm. No. Yeah. And that's why I think, yeah, I think that's what, I think that's what caught my attention. She didn't, she wrote a certain, as even her friend pointed out, you write a certain way, but you're not putting it into your work. And that's not, and or even, or even the fact that some of the people that she um, she gave her work to want to rewrite it or want to mm-hmm. rephrase a few things, like that gentleman who came in and told her that. Oh, she was pissed about being yes. edited. Yes, <laughs> I, I, I really did like, like that. that. Like I liked how they do go over the fact that she, like many specific artists, do now find a lot of relevancy in high school literature, essentially. Mm-hmm. Or very obscure. And they don't really factor in the sense that they were heavily, heavily censored mm-hmm. in the day. And and I'm not saying that 
that's the entire reason why we should be paying attention to them. But I think it's a very nice touch that they recognize that's what was going on for her. Mm-hmm. Well, and the idea that a man would know better than her how to punctuate her poem. How to oh my god, and page. the fact that they was like, oh yeah, and th- of all these other ambitious works, this was the only one that fit the poetic meter. Fuck off. <laughs> Uh, you can it, you you like your god can go fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> it looked like the one person that she actually felt infatuated for was the preacher. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. He, and she was even more upset when he. Well, she was not only was she infatuated him. She when she gave a poem to him and wanted his approval. She really was enthralled by, it, even though the fact that he was married. Didn't really bother because he saw that the merit his wife was basically a stalemate. And so when Vivian told when Vinny told him that he left, I think it was going to uh uh what did we say they were going to Virginia or something like that, going somewhere mm-hmm. south. She fairly got ticked off at Vinny and basically called it saying, you know, you little smug little person. And it's like that's a little mean. I love how I love how every time when someone says something mean, they will announce it, you know, that was a little hurtful. Like, yeah, that was the point. <laughs> it's like, a little hurtful, a little mean, hurtful. Like, oh, like, yes, yes, that's the point. <laughs> like, they both come back, like, take that back, take it back. And, uh... <laughs> so, so I, I, I do have one question I, I was trying to figure out. So, it seems like she, um, the disease she came up with was Wright's disease, which mm-hmm. is basically a problem, um, basically problem failure of well, kidney failure. But yeah. it, was she having this problem even when she was talking to the um, the servants to pull out her bread? I feel like that was kind of like when she started getting those lingering symptoms, and they okay. didn't know. And like, kind of like how people are nowadays, like they just mm-hmm. pass it off for whatever or one reason or whatever, and then you keep letting it go untreated, and it worsens. And I think it was clearly that, but I still will forever remember it doesn't take all three of you to pick it up. <laughs> I mean, and I, I think the why I felt so strongly for her, at least, is at least this film version of her was so uninhibited with how she said anything to anyone i mean goddamn they're trying to help and they were freaking out because like instead of you trying to tell them to help you up you tell them to check on the bread they drop it and then they're freaking out because like our 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 employer's daughter is like in pain but we're being told to do something else we just dropped it fuck what do we do and then she yells at us like i love it i thought it was hilarious on device I don't even. I don't know. I don't have much to add on that. Like, oh, it, you, you like the part where she made some of the five dollars she got for being. Oh, oh my God, she that was, was so all pissed too. off. She got second place. <laughs> I I okay. feel that too. I feel that too. I legitimately feel that too. God damn it! I can't believe this happened to me at a slam. It's shit like that. I get it. And I, it's like, oh, I won five dollars, but it's for second place. <laughs> the thing that got me is five dollars for second place is about what you get awarded at the Sack Slam too. Oh. It's been 150 years and you're still getting the same prize money at a slam here in Sacramento. <laughs> Throwing shade. <sighs> Throwing shade. Oh. <laughs> that, that hurts. I, I felt that one. I paid get, that you, money. <laughs> you only get slightly more as the DJ. <laughs> that face. That face. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Maybe when they come back they can bring in a little more money. Hey. <laughs> they haven't been used for years, so hey. <laughs> Getting off topic. <laughs> All right. All right, but as you can hear, we basically have all our opinions, but we do have to do one thing to make this thing fully recognizable. It is time for snap judgment. And Snap Judges, we basically are now going to judge and give this movie a rating where we do three snaps. This movie gets an Oscar, gets the Emmy, gets all the awards, gets so many awards that it's supposed to go to the test of time. It's beyond awards. Two snaps, it's not that bad, but it's not that good. 
one snap, I think this thing should go back into the Gettysburg Address and be buried there and never be seen again because just like when they said about Lincoln, he didn't get much going on that time. Three minutes or six minutes, and that was it. Like, Half those guys won defeat, one 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 a meal. <laughs> it's like, I don't know. Most, messed up. Most men would think six minutes is a good performance. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> Oh, man, you make it hard. <laughs> I do. That's why it lasts more than six minutes. Okay. We're going, we're going in quarter increments because something new that Auntie Vice brought in. So what we're going to do is close our eyes and give our, and give our rating. You remember, fist is a half point. A, a palm is a quarter point. Oh boy, that was a <laughs> killer. Are you gonna are you getting ready to make the three fourth one too? She three quarters? Some someone with a with a finger or something? I don't know. Stick a foot in. Uh, stick a foot in. <laughs> if you pull your foot up to this freaking window, I'm gonna be mad. <laughs> <laughs> it's you know, smooth you, too. You know, you know me and Marvin can't do that, so we gotta throw a shoe up or something. <laughs> really? Really? Can't Uh-oh. do that. Can't do that. Oh damn it! There you go. There you go. No, it's only your toes that you're related to, like cousins. You only see them on Facebook and at family reunions. Ooh. It's a long distance love affair with those toes. We'll be starting our thing in a few seconds. Close your eyes. While I give this middle finger turn. Yes. And to the only oh, man who looks panicked during yoga. I'm this getting is a back great to my episode. thing. I'm getting back this is to a my great thing. Episode. You shut. <laughs> <laughs> we'll count to three. Let's close our eyes while I count to three and throw your rating of a quiet passion. One, two, three. Open your eyes. Oh my goodness! What? Marvin and I are in agreement. Marvin We're always in sync. I dig it. Guys give a two. I give it a one point five. What's going on? Five point five is the number of snaps. Five snaps. Five and a half snaps for this movie. Why one Marvin. and a half? I love this because again, like I said, Auntie Vice and I are always on sync. But the weird part is, we gave it a higher score than you, who normally gives it a higher score than us. Hmm. Yeah. Language barrier? How's the language barrier? They spoke English. <laughs> you said you weren't getting a lot of the little jibs and jabs and stuff that Marvin and I were enjoying. <laughs> and you didn't know she was a lesbian. You missed that. In his defense. Going, in his defense. Keep, keep I didn't know either. Keep going. What, what else did I know? No, I think that's <laughs> it. Like, you were missing the little jibs and jabs and, and all the shade and what stuff else, that I was laughing at. Well, yeah, you're, you're giggling up a storm. Like, ooh, ooh, that's cold. Ooh. I'm just over there, like, looking at you going. <laughs> I think that's why funny. I gave it a two and you gave it a one and a half. What was so funny? Yeah, she was smart-mouthed as fuck. She was. She was. I she think- was throwing shade left and right. My favorite is still when he, the guy's like, do you want to go on a carriage ride? And she's like, no. It would only make it worse for you. Oh, <laughs> oh. Why would you come, come back, back if you don't enjoy it? Oh, my God. Just <laughs> calling him out, dude. Oh, loved it. Old. He kept getting Old. hurt. I was like, man, just find another woman, please. Right. Hey, Shades. man. From what we saw, that backyard was big enough to bury a body. <laughs> <laughs> Backyard, but no. <laughs> what was that? Snapchat. <laughs> Why did y'all give it? Well, let's go with Marvin. Why did you give it two? Let's start there. I, like I said, thought it was a very accurate and honest portrayal of Emily Dickinson. Okay. I think it w- it was fair in its evaluation of her life, how she was, and. I will forever have a soft spot in my heart for someone who will be radically rebellious. The fear fact, again, beginning of the scene, beginning of the movie, no less, she just goes, yeah, if God was an existent being, I feel like his omnipresence would not care enough if I said I don't care. (laughs) Oh, 
Oh, that was great. That was great. And I've had people who have even asked me, he's like, well, you wouldn't be saying that if God was real. Yes, he's still a bag of dicks. <laughs> so I just felt that. The moment she said that, well, I did fall asleep. I just completely dug it. I just, yes, she's my kind of woman. If she was real, we would be hanging out and we would continually be making jabs at everything together. Well, you mean if she was alive? Okay. If she was alive in our era and I got to hear her say shit about stupid shit about that people like to do oh she and i'd be best friends we'd be making fun of shit together all the time <laughs> device i mean she's kind of an interesting character the writing was okay i mean there was nothing fundamentally flawed about this movie there was nothing great about this movie um and it did something that the the cultural powerhouse that was sex in the city Never got me to do, which was spend two hours watching Cynthia Nixon act. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, that's true. Hers was the least interesting character. I, really? I, I, I couldn't sit through an episode of Sex and the City. It just never but had a draw. Every, no, it was Sharon who watched every Sharon episode. Sharon watched every episode. I, I can't. No, I have family. Skinny white girl, skinny rich white girls ha- having sex in New York. Boring. That is not the story I'm interested in. Um, yeah, it is the female version of the entourage. And yeah, it's just, and both are equally as lame. Yeah, you nailed it. They would hook up with the entourage. Yeah, they, they... Uh, when they ha- when they do that crossover movie, it's you know that's are... very true. That's very true. <laughs> So the reason why I gave this movie a 1.5 was what knocked it down for me, I think, was the fact, just like you said, maybe some of the stuff went over my head that it didn't pay, that didn't really give me that mind that, like, well, I don't get where they're coming from. And even from a, and this is probably from a woman's perspective, because there was, it just felt like, (laughs) as you yawn. It was written by a dude. It was. I was directed by a dude. I know it was directed by a dude. I know it was directed by a dude. It was directed by a dude too. But just, but I did my biggest enjoyment, even though I did not know she was a she was queer, was her best friend. Her best friend's performance was just Catherine because Catherine Bailey. Her performance Mm -hmm. stood out completely. She stuck out. She was the best. She said beyond what Cynthia Nixon was doing, what Vivian, all the rest of even even father, <laughs> even his even his pundit butt. I mean, <laughs> he, she stood out and was showing how this is how I think and this is how you should be thinking. But if you don't want to, uh, just just let me know who the preacher is so I can I can um, I don't have to see him or I can ignore I can annoy him. It's like oh okay. I don't have to be around him. Okay, that's that, that's one good thing. Uh, I thought a lot of the part. I thought a lot of parts were just lingered. I mean, the technical point of him showing the Gettysburg Address, all the Civil War actments and stuff, and teeing them and everything else, and all the and all the the deaths and stuff. It, that was a montage that was not needed. It, that, that, <laughs> well, that, that's how the, that they got into the poetry she w- wrote about the war, and they used one of her more prominent pieces that mm-hmm. she did about that. But they, I think it's just, an explanation of this is why she's writing about these topics. Yeah, but it wasn't necessary to throw all, like I think they throw like seven um, battles battlegrounds to the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, this is a number of them thought. appear in her poetry. Okay, so yeah, that that part of it is just. You know, kind of a nod to what she's writing, and to explain that at this period of her life, that's why these are showing up in what she's writing, right? And they show they spend time on the mom dying, to, you know, for around her poetry about death and family. Like that's how they tie it together. It's like, okay, so this is where she's drawing on, and this in her development of a poet, this is why she's writing about X, Y, or Z. Mm-hmm. But did you think about? But the point about like like her little ten minute uh, thought of a man coming, a uh, a man as a suitor that's coming to see her in silhouette as she basically is in a fever dream, hoping this person comes, and that whole thing is just like okay, does like it happen? Okay, dude wrote a chick. You wrote what? <laughs> the dude writing a chick. Of course, they'd have a fever brain and dream about getting boned. 
Yeah. It's like when I read and stuff in my genre about people talking about how she led with her breast or she walked boobily to the stairs. <laughs> or <laughs> oh, it's one of my th- there's another one. There's another passage. <laughs> Very famous is a shitty passage of writing about how a dude can find a woman's clip but he couldn't find her vaginal opening. <laughs> like clearly men writing women don't have quite a a grasp on uh, certain aspects of womanhood. Yes. And I probably am playing into that that um narrative. You've never thought I left boobily towards the stairs. I never, I never thought that they left boobily towards the stairs. Even with, <laughs> all, even with my age cups. <laughs> but <laughs> that's the reason. But out of all the reasons, I, I feel that like a lot of stuff, just like you said before, this she could have died a half an hour early. <laughs> she was not necessary. She could have died going. earlier. Yeah. <laughs> I start rooting for her to be a part of the 27 Club because it's just taken way too long. <laughs> She's I mean, way too past that. She was well past that. She's like I mean, sixty. Even the she point died of, at fifty-five, I think. No, yeah, she died at fifty-five. Yeah, fifty-five. Yeah, yeah, she died at fifty-five. Old. So is this even seeing the fact that his her brother basically fornicating with that woman? <laughs> just, well, they weren't even like, that was a really? lot of noise for kissing. They still had all their clothes on. That was a yeah, lot. That was, of, some, that was a very sloppy kiss, man. <laughs> and that was some noise for some over the clothes action. <laughs> But it's, I think it's more funny that his wife actually said, said she's known to figure out um, people that love her. <laughs> like, yeah. So you know he's going to take your, your, your husband, huh? Okay. Well, well, I like it. You know, she's known for making men fall in love with her. And the Dickinson says, well, she started the rumor. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah. The interesting thing is because I, like after this movie, I wound up looking her up in Emily Dickinson. Apparently, the woman that her brother was having an affair with she uh, wound up writing or publishing a lot of her yes. works apparently yeah and then there was like some whole fucking legal battle yeah where her own niece the brother's goddamn daughter yeah. then started trying to like, oh my god it was like yeah. a huge fucking legal battle yeah, that's some was, yeah that's some strange facts of yeah Emily to, um, uh, Todd, Mrs. Todd actually was <laughs> actually almost an enemy to to her because of all the stuff. Oh, that dude, yeah, before. she she fu- she fucked that family over hardcore. <laughs> <laughs> so literally, got, both literally and figuratively, right? The big payback. <laughs> <laughs> there was the big payback on that family. It's like, oh, okay, okay. Uh, <laughs> so fun fact. So Cynthia Cynthia Nixon was um, looked upon by the um, the director Terrence because Cynthia was actually um, auditioning for another movie, a comedy, and Terrence liked the way she acted and stuff. He has never seen her before in anything else except that audition, which I thought was interesting. Uh, so he's like when, me. What? So he's like me. Didn't watch Sex in the City. Okay, that when she came, when he came up for, he thought she'd be a spinning image of playing Emily Dickinson for this movie. So she played Emily Dickinson, and also was on the second movie that he, another movie that he did uh, for her. So yeah, um, <laughs> Emily Dickinson did die in nineteen in eighteen eighty six uh, at fifty five years old. Um, she did have Rice um, disease and. Uh, she did have a lot of poetry that did not only 11, basically 11, 11 of her poems got published when you know now she has thousands and thousands and thousands. So yeah. if she had a regiment from 55 to, I think she was like, what, 13 or 15 or something or 18 when she got out, you know, right there, that's a lot. And she did that every day. That's a lot of poetry. I mean, mm-hmm. a lot of poetry that didn't even get written down. But that is our show today. We, I am Sharon Marvin. Tell them where they can find you on social media. Yeah, you can find me on IG at StarvinMarvin09. Auntie Vice. You can find me at Auntie Vice on most social media. My website is AuntieVice.com. On March 12th, I will be doing the Risk live streaming show. So you can come and join me there to hear me about my first time with a girl. And on the 17th, I will be doing body positive comedy through, uh, oh, what's Jesse's spot? 
Jesse and John's. Oh, you talking about on Stab? So through yes, through Stab live streaming, and on the twenty seventh of this month, I will be doing the Kink and Chill Summit. So come join me for at least one, if not all, of those. And you can find me on I I am Bigzine. That is I A M B I C Z I N E. Come check out some of the Sacramento Poetry Center's um, Zoom room shows. I did the last one on the first. I'll be doing the next one on April April fifth of um, next month. So come check us out. We always got something for you. Just check out at um, Sacramento Sacramento Sac Poetry Center dot org. I'm the VP. Yay! <laughs> but this is us. We give this movie five point five snaps. Out of nine. Uh, out of nine. I know. I, I'm. I'm actually surprised that I am the. Bob man out on this one, yeah. Man, not too often that happens. Not too often. Just in the same way that it's not too often that I do not mention Mulan. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I was waiting for it. I was waiting for it. I was giving it to off like <laughs> I knew I could sneak it in that. <laughs> you want to say some more before we, I, I shut us off? <laughs> How many CGI children are we up to in the sacrifice? Oh, speaking of ways, if you're saying something about Mulan, are you gonna see Raz? Are you gonna see Raya? Oh, of course I'm gonna see. Of course I'm gonna see that. So what the heck is up with that? What? It's another. It's another good movie coming out. It's an animated movie. Okay, but see, here's a thing though. Uh Oh, there's a thing. I'm more willing to believe that Raya is going to be a more of an honest adaptation and depiction of what it's like to be. An Asian woman, whereas Mulan is just pure power fantasy written by some white person who goes, Oh, yeah, all Asians must know Kung Fu because that's just the general stereotype. It's the same way as Marvel going, Hey, you know, we're going to throw a bone to our Asian people audience out there. We're going to give them a Kung Fu fighting character. Dude, fuck off. Not all Asians Kung Fu fight. Suck a dick, Marvel. Wow. And that, that, that's another hit to Shane Chin. Okay, cool. <laughs> I thought I'd be more mad at Iron Fist being a white guy. Okay, whatever. Oh, I'm mad. I'm forever mad about that too. Don't get me started on that too. He's supposed to be a white guy. Stop that. I don't give a shit if he's supposed to be a white guy. Don't give me a story about some white dude who's supposed to be a white savior and then get and at the same time it's like, oh yeah, I know kung fu, and you give me zero exp- like zero good explanation of how he knows kung fu. Oh, yeah, so yeah. You crash spe- landed. I'll tell you later how this goes down. I know how the story goes. <laughs> I still have issue with it. <laughs> All right, everyone. Take care. Be safe. Get vaccinated. And stop thinking like these Republicans. Peace. Peace. <laughs> I suck.